Well, City Light U, it is so good to be back with you. Um, I'm going to put a timer on my phone so I don't get up here and preach for like three straight hours. I'll do it. I'll do it if you dare me. Um, but uh, let, me, let me rewind the clock uh, back to when you guys were probably in elementary school. Um, about five years ago, uh, was it? No, it's six years. How long has City Light been around? Five years? Is it it's five years? It'll be six in February. So it'll be six in February. Uh, so let's rewind six years ago. Six years ago, uh, the Andrew McGill of that day, uh, let's see, I was flunking out of college my second time, I think. Yeah, thank you. There's a few of us in here that have taken the scenic route through their bachelor's degree. Uh, but I think I was, I was either flunking out my second time or, or, or on my second junior year of college. Um, not doing well. And I had to take a medical withdrawal uh, from school, and I had to move back here to Omaha, which was terrible because I was involved in a college ministry in Lincoln, and it was just booming. It was wonderful. The Lord was at work. We had—it was, it was so, so fun. Um, and so I was really disappointed because I was actually the president of that uh, college ministry. And the Lord took me out of Lincoln, dropped me in Omaha, and— uh, had to move back in with my parents, and uh, that was not very nice because I'm like fiercely independent. Like, if my mom told me to go throw something away in a trash can in that corner, I would purposefully go to that corner and throw it away. And so, moving back in with my mother and my father was not a good idea. Um, but it's all I had. Uh, both my brothers were also there. Oh, is my is it getting in my beard? Nice. I told the guys in the in the sound booth if the microphone starts getting into my beard. Let me know. So if you just see me look back at Tim back there, that's why. Um, so I move in, move into my parents' place, and I'm with my older brother and my younger brother, and we're all in our, like, 20s, and we're just angsty and just angry all the time. And then, do you guys know who Alex Marquez is? Okay, you know Alex Marquez. He's a pastor over at City Light Benson. Uh, he's about six foot nine. At this time, he was fresh out of playing football, so he was, like, 270 pounds, and uh, he came and lived with us. So we, the amount of testosterone in that house, it was terrible. And my poor mother, she just built herself her own little room and just stayed over there. Um, but just a little bit after that, uh, I got a phone call from Chris Horesco, pastor here at uh, City Light. And he goes, hey, heard you're in Omaha. Uh, I want to connect you with some people. And so I sat down with Chris and a guy named Andrew Rutten. And they go, we're going to plant this church. And uh, you're in Omaha, and, well, you're a part of it. And I said, okay, that sounds great. And so I actually was there pulling uh, staples and nails out of the floor of the old chapel building way back in the day. But I was planning on going back to Lincoln uh, after that semester that I took off to try and get healthy. I, that was a terrible idea. I didn't actually get healthy during that semester. But that summer hits, and I'm planning on going back to Lincoln. And Andrew Rutten calls me up and goes, hey, I know that you already have a semester paid for at Lincoln, but, dude, you should probably stay here and help us launch a college ministry. And so the first time I go, no, that's a terrible idea. And uh, then the next time he asked me, he goes, you should really pray about this. I said, eh, that's good enough for me. That works. All right, I'm here in Omaha. I transferred to UNO and actually helped launch City Light U way back in the day way back in the day, and it was awesome. Uh, was anybody actually there for that first year, five years ago? 
Dang, I'm old. All right, we're, you were there for the second year? Okay, and then Jake, you were there for the second year. Dustin, when did you come in? Third year? Second year? Vaughn, the president, you were there second year. Okay, so then we get through the awkward stages of the first year, and then we meet some really wonderful individuals that really launched it. And so it's so fun to come back to City Like You and get to come back to my old stomping grounds. And it is uh, really fun to be back on the stage tonight. I actually remember, like, putting things on this stage and, like, building this stage. That's how old I am uh, here at City Light. And so, uh, but now I work at PC3. And uh, you guys can cheer for the CMAC Cup champions. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. One person. Where's Rhett? Rhett, where are you at? You should be clapping. You're half PC3. You come hang out on Thursday sometime. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. All right. Um, but what's really fun about uh, PC3 is I, uh, I got asked by Andrew Rutten while I was working here at City Like You. Uh, Andrew Rutten goes, hey, why don't you come help me play in another church? And so I said yes, because it's like, well, what else am I going to do? I can't just stay here. This church already goes, and it's already doing something, and I just want to go plant a new thing. Uh, but that would actually be like a way cooler story if that was how simple it was. Um, to actually tell the full story of how I got to Providence, and this is to try and introduce who I am, because I know like five of you in this room, which is so, so fun. But I'm trying to introduce to you who I am and set up kind of our passage tonight. So travel with me on all of these stories, okay? We'll get somewhere, I promise. Uh, so at City Like You, I was uh, woefully single. Is there anybody woefully single in here? Nobody raise your hand all at once. Okay, we have, okay, we've got a couple. All right, thank you, thank you. I, so I, to put this in perspective, I had a man bun at the time. Um, that was not, it was, it was a man bun before like somebody thought that it looks good. And so I had that going for me. Uh, I had a beard, which I still do because that's still in style and will always be in style. Um, but like baggy, ratty jeans, the ones that have holes in them that aren't cool. Do you guys know what I'm talking about? Um, and I was living in a house with 11 other guys, affectionately known as the Manplex at the time. And half of those guys got married, so we moved into another Manplex. Uh, and so I had a top knot, ratty jeans. I slept in a, uh, in a basement, not in a room in a basement. Like you walk down the stairs and you have like a room there that you walk through to get to an actual room, that's where I stayed. I stayed right there uh, with a mattress on the floor with no sheets and about five or six dressers just kind of strewn about the basement. And um, I was making right around like $210 a month. Uh, my rent was $190 to $200 a month. And uh, it was clean living, let me tell you. Uh, and then the Lord sought fit to bring me my wife. Um, and to put that into perspective, my wife uh, is currently a, she has her doctorate in occupational therapy. Uh, she graduated at the top of her class. Uh, she was a four-year uh, letter winner in college playing softball. Um, she was like the vice president of Creighton to China or something like that. Like, it was crazy. 
crazy. And she had her life together. She did not sleep on a mattress in a, on the floor with no sheets on it. Uh, she did uh, not have ratty, nasty jeans. And she actually had her life figured out. And the Lord brought her into my life. And like she walks up to me and goes, are you the creature that lives in the basement of this house? I said, I'm Andrew McGill, nice to meet you. And then she got my number first, started texting me, started calling me. I ended up asking her out on the first date. So fellas, make sure a girl comes up and starts talking to you. Make sure that you ask her out on the date. Uh, and then we got married. And it was wonderful. And, uh, but I was woefully single before that. I was also terrible at college. I was terrible. Not like bad, like, oh, I don't really like school. No, like, I think I took my senior year probably three times. Um, and I just couldn't graduate. I couldn't figure it out. And so I had no opportunity for a job either because I didn't have a college degree. And I wanted to work in college ministry. And you can't work in college ministry without a college degree. That just doesn't make any sense. So here I am, married, having to provide, protect, and lead my family, my wife and I. Yet, I have no college degree, and not, well, I'm starting to have hope because I got married, and fellas, that'll happen to you once you get married. Just ask Parker, like, he got married, and his whole entire life, quality of life just increased. And so I have no hope of anything, but I'm working on my college degree. I have no job, and my wife and I pray, Lord, would you provide a job? And you know what we heard back? Guess, somebody guess. Yell, somebody yell. Nothing. Yes, I heard nothing back. I heard absolutely nothing back. My wife and I were both sitting there. Oh, Lord, would you show me the future? Would you show me what it is? And the thing that I got back from the Lord was that right there, awkward silence. What he was inviting me into was to trust him. And so my wife and I looked at each other and go, well, I was kind of hoping that he would open up the clouds and say, hey, this is what it is you were supposed to do with the rest of your life. Uh, that didn't happen. He said, trust him. And so my wife and I decided to trust him. And the very next day, I sit down with Andrew Rutten and his wife, Bailey, Maddie, my wife and I do. And yes, yes, you know the Ruttons very well. Uh, and sitting there, and Andrew looks at me and goes, hey, you want to plant a church? yeah, does that mean I have a job? And he goes, yes, that means you have a job. And that's the very next day. And so the reason I tell all of that is I was a little bit anxious during that time. Can you imagine being in that situation? Somebody yell something. If this is going to work tonight, we're going to have to have conversations here. Okay, anxious, right? A little bit anxious, not really knowing where money's coming from. Are you guys there? Do you know what you're doing for your future job? Come on, somebody? No. Anybody know what they want to do for the rest of their life? Eh, kind of, maybe. All right. How about money? Who's, who's got some money in here? Yeah, right, right. Negative or positive money? Anybody? Anybody have money? Yes, debts. I've got plenty of that. Anybody else got some debt? Okay, got some debt over here. Man. You guys are pretty financially stable. You relatively know what you're going to do with your life. Well, then this message isn't for you. So uh, go ahead and just check out. 
Open up your Bibles to Matthew chapter 6. We're going to land in verses 19 through 34 tonight. And as we do that, I tell this grand entrance of a story to show that, like, I have no idea what I'm doing. With my life, up to this point, no clue. My life has been riddled with anxiety and with money troubles. I work in a church as an intern, and I just don't make that much money. And I don't even have hope of making money in the future. My wife and I have so much financial debt, it's legitimately coming out of our eyeballs. And what we look to in the future is scary. It's very, very frightening. And tonight, you guys are studying through the Sermon on the Mount, and we're getting to a passage where Jesus is going to talk about money, and he's going to talk about anxiety. And he's going to talk about money first, and then he's going to say this word, therefore, do not be anxious. And we'll get to that, but like that's probably the worst thing you can tell an anxious person in their anxiety is don't be anxious. Have you ever tried that? Anybody anxious in here? Okay, somebody comes up to you. Don't be anxious. Anybody ever had a broken bone? You've had a broken bone? What if somebody came up to you and said, hey, just don't have a broken bone anymore? Yeah, that's not going to work. But as we dive into this, I think the Lord is going to do something pretty magical and show us that there is an actual better way. The thing that I think he's going to show us tonight is that we actually have a king in heaven who cares for us. And as a result of that, we can approach him and receive comfort. So we have a king that cares for us, and so we can approach him and receive comfort. And so I'm going to pray, and let's get into it, and I'm going to prove that to you. Father in heaven, thank you for tonight. Thank you for these students. And uh, Lord, thank you for their patience with me to get through awkward stories and weird things that people don't know where I'm going. Um, Father, all of the words that come out of my mouth, if they're not from you, would you dismiss them? Jesus, we, we long to see you lifted up tonight so that people here can look at you and be saved so that they can look to you and be healed. As you instruct our hearts tonight about money and about uh, anxiety and about worldly things and storing our treasure in heaven, uh, Lord, would you guide our conversation tonight? Would you guide my words tonight? And would you uh, bless our time tonight with your presence? Lord, be here and be near to us in the name of Jesus. Amen. I'm going to read these first few verses and then I'm going to kind of explain what I want to do with him. So I'm going to read them first, so follow along with me. Picking up in verse 19. Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Side note, that's a great coffee mug quote. Go ahead and put that on one. 22, the eye is the lamp of the body, so if your eye is healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light is in you, if the light in you is darkness, how great is that darkness? What? We were just talking about like treasures, and now we're talking about 
lamps and darkness and eyes and stuff. Okay, let's keep going. No one can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. So let's pause and digest that a little bit. Because we went from talking about treasures in heaven, storing those up there to where uh, moths can't eat them. And then we're talking about eyes and lights and darkness stuff coming through your eyes. And then we're talking about masters. And then Jesus sums it all up by saying you can't serve God and money. How are we supposed to put this together? Somebody. Somebody yell it. Jake? How are we supposed to put this together? You can say, I don't know. That's very good. Did you read your ESV study notes? Ah, nice. Your CSB study notes, yeah. So here's, when we first read this passage... We read this and go, okay, that's a good teaching. Okay, store up your treasures in the heaven. Then we've got this awkward one about lights, and then you can't serve two masters. And I think it's really easy for us to look at that and go, those are three great morals to live by, right? You should invest your money in things that you'll get a good return on. Uh, Don't fill your life with darkness. And only serve one master. That seems like a pretty good moral code to live by. Do you think Jesus was teaching about a moral code? As you guys have been studying through the Sermon on the Mount, what have you guys seen about who Jesus is and his teaching? Is it ever just surface level? No, thank you. All right. See that you, if we're going to get through this night without awkward pauses and awkward silences, like, I'm going to need you to yell things at me. Like, yes, no. You could just yell noises at me. Just yell something, all right? You with me? Are you with me? Thank you, thank you. Okay, back into it, back into it. All right, did Jesus just teach about surface-level morality? No, no, he didn't. He was showing us that, yes, here's the law, here is the moral thing, but this is what it looks like behind it. This is the heart posture behind this. So what is the heart posture that Jesus is trying to reveal in this passage? Somebody take a stab at it. Starts with an M. Ends in honey. Money. Money. Yes, he's talking about money. Why is Jesus talking about money in this passage? Yeah. Anybody trying to make money in here? Yeah. Raise your hand if you're trying to make money. Wonderful. Wonderful. Um, How are you trying to make money? Got a job? Some of you are going to school. Trying to probably be an engineer, business person, teacher, uh, some other thing like that. You're trying to make money. Why are you trying to make money? Yeah, pay off debt. Yeah, to eat. You got, yeah, start a family, raise a family. You got to have a house to live in, right? And if you live in Omaha, you have to have a car, right? So why are you working? Why are you making money? Why do you want money? So that you can live, right? And so what do you do? How many hours a week are you supposed to give to your job? Too many. Too many. Amen. 
At least 40. 40 is full-time employment in uh, the United States. How many hours do you usually put in? Way more than that, right? Uh, Melanie, you work in vocational ministry. You're supposed to work 40 hours a week. How many hours would you guess you probably put in when it's all said and done? Way more than that. Like 60, 70 hours. Yeah. It's crazy. You end up giving your entire life to trying to make money. And what Jesus is trying to get at is you give your entire life to make this money, to try and get money so that you can pay for your bills, that you can put food on the table, that you can have clothes on your back, a roof over your head, and you can provide, protect, and lead your family. And he's saying, when you do that, you are, it's really, really easy to serve money and to serve that ideal and to let that capture your heart, to fix your eyes on it, to have it become your single focus, so much so that it becomes your master. You become a slave to money. You guys see this in our culture? Listen to any hip-hop song. Uh, do you guys know who the Wu-Tang Clan is? Man, I'm old. All right. Well, they have a song called Cream. It's Cash Rules Everything Around Me. And they're just singing about how they want money. Uh, there's the OJs way back in the day. Uh, funk music. I'll try and play it after see that you. But it's money, 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 money. Money. You know what I'm talking about? That's what our culture is after. That's who's powerful. That's who's influential. That's who's popular. That's who's famous. It's the rich people. And it's easy for us to get captivated by money, to be captivated by the next thing, to be able to do what it is that we want to do. So what does Jesus instruct us to do? He says that we're supposed to put our money, invest our lives, invest our resources where? Yeah, into the kingdom of God. So very practically, how many of you tithe? You don't have to raise your hand. You don't have to raise your hand. Sorry, I should have prefaced that. But how many of you tithe? Here is probably the biggest pushback I get from college students in tithing. I don't make enough money. Right? I don't have enough money. Or I'm paying off debt. Or I don't have enough. I can't make enough. Well, then who's ruling you? Do you get what I'm saying? Am I making sense? Even now, your hearts are gripped by things of this world. And we put it under the disguise of... Uh, once I get there, once I m make enough money, then I'll be generous. Or once I get enough money, once I pay off that car or that loan or whatever it is, then I'll start giving and then I'll start being generous. But I think so often our hearts get captivated by money and how much we can make and how much we can keep for ourselves. And what Jesus is saying in 19, verses 19 through 21 is, hey, 
Where your treasure goes, that's where your heart is. And if all of your treasure is here on earth, then where is your heart? Is it in the kingdom of God? I don't think so. And so a very practical step for you, start tithing. Start doing it. And if your guttural response to me in that moment was, I don't have enough money, that's just false. You do. You do have enough, and we'll get there. But in verses 22 and 23, Jesus is talking about what you fix your eyes on is what will fill you. Exactly what Jake was saying. If you fix your eyes on the light, then your soul will be filled with the light. If you fix your eyes on things of the world, your heart will be filled with things of the world. And practically, this plays out if you fix your eyes on trying to make more money, get a college degree, get a family, to be able to provide, put food on the table, buy a car, what are you probably going to be able to do? Do all of that. Yeah, you're probably going to make money to be able to provide for your family, put food on the table, buy a car, buy a house, and send your kid off to college. Is that a bad thing? No, that's a wonderful thing, right? Yes? Okay, come on, are we asleep already? Yes, right? That's a good thing. That's a healthy desire. But is that a fruitful end? Kids move out. You can't take your money with you into eternity. Your car will stay here. Your house will stay here. Everything else that you invested your time and money into on this side of eternity from this earth will stay where? Here. Okay, and now let's get into some eschatology. When Jesus comes back, what's going to happen to this earth? Is it going to... Yeah, it's going to be made new. What's going to happen to the old earth? Oh, yeah, it's going to get wrecked, man. Like the earth is going to be destroyed and all that is in it will be destroyed. So does that mean the things that you invest into here on earth, like you can go and salvage them before Jesus destroys the whole earth? No. No, so then why are you investing all of your time, resources, and energy into something that you will lose? Right? I fear that what I just said to you actually had no bearing on your heart. If everything in this world that you're investing your money, your time, your resources into is going to pass away, then why are you investing all of your time, money, and resources into it? Where should you be investing? Into the kingdom of God. How do you do that? Anybody? What's that? Yeah, prayer. That's a great one. People. Invest into people. What about with your money? Tithing. Yeah. Uh, anybody raise support in here? One, two, three, four, five, six, seven. How are you guys doing on support? Fully supported? Close? Not close? Still got some to go back there. Nathaniel, you're going to get up here. You got uh, some support to raise? You betcha. I've got some support to raise. Here's a great opportunity to invest into the kingdom of God, into eternity. Give to one of us. Not me. I work at Providence. I'll get my money from them. That's totally fine. But give to Melanie. 
Give to Parker or Mariah. Give to Anna. Give to Nathaniel. Invest your dollar bills into the kingdom of God. So now let's get into verse 25 through 34. I'm going to read this really quick, and then I'm going to bring all of this home, because right now it feels like I just told you to do a whole bunch of things. Now we're going to look at why you should do that, okay? So let's read it. Therefore I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Hold on. Why are you guys working? Why are you guys getting a college degree? Food, clothes, a house. Uh-oh, Jesus is coming for you. <laughs> Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not more of more value than they? And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to his span of life? And why are you anxious about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you? Oh, you of little faith. Therefore, do not be anxious, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the Gentiles seek after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need all of them. You guys got verse 33 pulled up on your Bibles, analog or digital? Oh, up there. How about that? Right right where that word but is, right in the middle of the paragraph. I want you guys to read this with me. But seek the king, first the kingdom of God. I got to learn how to read. It took me seven years, all right? All right, let's start over. Let's start over. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And what? All these things will be added to you. Therefore, do not be anxious about tomorrow. For tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. Is that some good news? Okay, so why are you all working? Why are you all getting your degree? Food, shelter, clothing, water, all the necessities of life, right? What did Jesus come after first? After talking about you can't serve two masters, like you need to invest into the kingdom of God, what does he come after? He comes, yeah, money. He goes, do not be anxious about your life. What you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on, it's not life more than food and the body more than clothing. Jesus is trying to lift our gaze up and go, hey, you guys are seeking after all of these things. You are worried about all of these things. You are anxious about all of these things. But I'm here to tell you, my heavenly father knows that. Jesus is saying, your heavenly father knows that. He's not ignorant to your condition. And Jesus is saying, because you have a king in heaven who cares for you, you can approach him and receive comfort. But how do you receive comfort? Right? How do you receive comfort? 
And that's kind of an interesting thing because as I kind of alluded to at the very beginning, in my story, it is riddled with anxiety. I had no idea what I was going to do. I had no idea like where food was going to come from. There was a period of time when I was living in the Manplex making right around $210 a month where I could not tell you where my food was going to come from for the next day. I had no idea where I was going to eat. There were days where, do you guys know Glenn Lawson over at 808? Yeah. So I lived with Glenn. He was one of the 11 roommates. There were days where Glenn would look at me and go, McGill, let's run down to Sonic. Like, I'm at least going to get you a couple breakfast burritos for the day. Like, that was the condition that I was in. And so I was anxious. God, how, what am I going to eat? I had jeans with big holes in them, sleeping on in the basement on a mattress with no sheets on it, unable to graduate college just because I couldn't string together enough good days of doing homework. I was anxious about what was coming next. And if you would have come and told me, Miguel, just quit being anxious about that. Like, just trust God a little more. I would have laughed at you. But I think a lot of times we read this passage or we have heard it preached before that you're not supposed to be anxious. You're just supposed to trust God more. Have you ever heard that? Has anybody ever preached that to you? Oh, man, just trust God. I'm sorry if you have this tattooed, but there's the let go and let God. You guys familiar with that? I'll just let go and let God. What happens if you can't? What happens if you can't let go? What happens if you can't get rid of your anxiety because you literally don't know what you're going to eat tomorrow? And uh, to kind of hammer this home, a prayer of mine, having a conversation with Jesus in one of those times was, Jesus, where am I going to eat tomorrow? What am I going to do Like, I know that you've called me. I know that you've saved me. Yes, I love you. Yes, you love me. But where am I going to go? What am I going to do? I don't have enough gas in my tank to even get me to my parents' place so I could raid their fridge. And his answer to me in that moment was actually this verse. He said, in, in verse 34, therefore do not be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. Here I was being anxious about tomorrow when Jesus had fed me that day. I had a roof over my head that day. And he goes, aren't you only supposed to be anxious about, like worrying about today? And what did I do today? Do you have a place to sleep today? Yes, Jesus, I do. But what about tomorrow? Well, didn't you eat today? Yeah, I did. My belly's full. Thank you very much, Lord. Uh, I already thanked you for that food when we ate it. But what about tomorrow? What about tomorrow? And in that moment, he says, do not be anxious about tomorrow because that's going to worry about itself. But your heavenly father, your king, cares for you. So come to me and receive comfort. And so say that you, where this lands, there's no easy way out. There's no easy way out for you to take some spiritual silver bullet and say, oh, I just need to trust God more and that'll cure all of my anxiety. I don't, think that, I don't think it works that way. But here, what I am here to tell you, if you are in Christ, then you have a king who cares for you. 
and you can draw near to him and receive comfort. What does that comfort look like? Well, some days it's a sonic burrito. The next day is raiding the fridge up here at City Light because you guys had a potluck that Sunday. Some days it's the Lord bringing you a spouse. Other days it's people that you disciple having pity on you and taking you out. Nathaniel has pity on me on Thursday, so he's taking me out for breakfast on Thursday. But from experience in my life, you can approach the king because he cares for you and you can receive comfort. So let me pray and we'll have the band come back up. And uh, if you have any questions about this passage or about how to read it or how I got here, I'm going to be in the back and I'd love to pray with you or talk to you more about it. So come on back. And also if you're anxious or you don't know what to do with money, Come on back. I'd love to talk to you about it. So let's pray. Jesus in heaven, thank you. Thank you for saying these words. Um, Lord, I know that in my own heart, it's easy for me to get distracted and, and get focused on money, especially when I feel like I don't have it. And Lord, I know that it's easy for us to, um, it's easy for us to get distracted by what we're going to do to earn more money or why we're trying to earn more money or that degree or the amount of debt or how much this is going to cost or how much that is going to cost. Uh, And Jesus, I pray that tonight you would uh, impact our hearts and you would lift our gaze. You would lift our gaze upwards to see you, our king, and would we approach you and receive comfort because you care for us. Lord, we can look at all of the flowers and how beautifully dressed they are and know that you long to take care of us. Lord, we can also look at the the birds in the sky and how you feed them. You feed them every single day. And we can know that because you have died for us, Jesus, you care more about us than those birds in the sky. And so we can trust that you will feed us. And so, Lord, help us. Help us see that you care for us. And because you care for us, we can draw to you for comfort. Lord, I pray a blessing over a city like you. Would you be with them? Would you guide them and and draw them closer to you? In the name of Jesus, amen.